so good evening to everyone and a warm welcome to the session the topic for today is making wise career choices and jc's mentor maria wellborn will be addressing us today on the various factors that influence career decisions so maria grew up and now lives in detroit michigan but has previously lived in coimbatore china and spain she is an accomplished corporate leader whose 20 year career has included providing management consulting services serving as an operational and business leader working in engineering and production and enjoying the educational field of job readiness training she is now self employed as a management consultant for more than 25 years maria has frequently volunteered with causes related to education professional development and minority youth thank you so much maria for being here today and sharing your experience and knowledge with our participants and uh, i now invite colin as senior mentor to set the context for today's session So hello first of all thank you so much maria for uh, agreeing to work on this and then talk to our children and it is going to be useful for the few people who are attending but also to the vast audience who would be listening to this uh, eventually from the uh, jc's website so first of all a big thank you uh, for taking the time and uh, you know giving it to children it's i know it's not easy especially when you're working professional a mom and you have so many things to juggle and you're an independent professional really appreciate uh, the time and that you've taken and your willingness to share what you know your experience this thank you so much so to set the context we have uh, i know maria since uh, a few years ago no many years ago you know we've met and and what really struck me from the first moment that i met maria was uh, uh, you know the the value system that she has and that uh, she how she inspired her children to have their own values so that was something that as a third person i've observed you know when having dinner with her uh, and you know when uh, interacting with her so that was really something that uh, i thought is interesting to share with people her children who are now uh, grown up teenagers if i may say so uh, have um, have evolved so beautifully uh, each of them in their own way and 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 they are blooming so we thought it will be interesting to understand you know how her core values are and and also understand how uh, we make career choices based on our values and uh, you know what are the things at stake and so maria is going to really run us through a, a very deep topic in fact you know earlier when we thought it was simple but then uh, when i saw her presentation it's it's so beautiful so thought out and it's so deep uh, we are going to have this session uh, now we are so happy to have you maria it is indeed a blessing thank you so much Uh, for agreeing once again so i wish all of you a wonderful session please do reply respond on chat you can use the chat box to respond if you have questions we have some time at the end for the q and a and uh, we will use that uh, time for the uh, question and answer sessions now i hand over to maria over to maria thank you hey thank you merlin thank you shruti good evening um to all the children and young people and the families who are watching and I'm just going to get started. Today I'm going to talk about how you should consider your core values when you choose a career. Okay. So, quick outline of the presentation. We're going to talk about core values. What are they? How do you consider them when you um uh decide on a career? 
how do you think about passions, which are different from core values in a career? And then we'll go through some examples. And this is going to be interactive. There's a couple of pop quizzes as we go through. So I hope you'll participate. So first I wanted to ask or answer the question, what is a core value? And a core value is something that is a deeply held belief. They are beliefs about what is good and bad, what is right and wrong, and what is important. You um, Core beliefs work at the subconscious level and they impact the decisions that you make and they guide your behavior without you even knowing it. Core beliefs are notions that shape your personality. And it's important to note that core beliefs do change over the course of your life, even though they're core to who you are, as we grow, as we mature, as we age, as we have different experiences, our, our beliefs evolve. So I wanted to start with some examples of different core values. And these are not all of the core values of the people on the screen, but these are members of my family. And my daughter, Janaki, who's kind of in the middle there, she and I sat down and said, what do we think are the core beliefs of these people? And so what I want you to take away from this slide is that everyone's core beliefs are different. And there are a lot of different beliefs that you can have. There's none, there are none that are right or wrong. They just are what they are and they shape those people. So um, if you look at the left-hand side of the screen, that's me. And these are some, not all, but some of my core beliefs. So anyone who knows me knows that education is vitally important to me. I am so committed to education, especially of my own children, but for other children as well. I am a very, very committed parent. Anyone who knows me knows my children, my children's story, what's happening with my children. It's just a core part of who I am. I'm committed to service, to giving back, to doing things like this. Um, respect is very important to me, mostly on the inbound side. I very much value being respected. I try to respect others, but if people don't respect me, it's, it's very hurtful. So that I know that is a core belief for me. Honesty is important and independence. Um, it was interesting when I moved to India, one of the most difficult things for me to adjust to was being interdependent with others. Um, and not being free to be an individual. So these are some of my core values. So the question you're probably asking is, how do I detect someone's core values? And I have to tell you that sometimes you can't. Sometimes someone's core values are not obvious to you, but sometimes you can. So you can tell what someone's core values are by how they spend their time, how they spend their money, who they admire, things that they say, and to whom they are kind or mean. These are some of the ways that you can detect someone else's core values. So here's your first pop quiz. These are four pictures of rooms in someone's home. So if you could in the chat box, I'd like for you to choose one word to describe the core values of the people whose homes these are. So can you type in the chat box what you think the core values are? and each room belongs to a different home. Yes? Okay. If you look at the first room, they have books and books and a place for reading and they clearly enjoy knowledge or, re or value knowledge. Um, Annie said respect. I assume that's for the second home where the woman is at her prayer altar. 
These are, you can tell their core values. The one on the right, this one, yes, spiritual, thank you. That this person is clearly spiritual. And then if you look on the right, this person clearly values art. And this room on the bottom might be difficult to understand. These are all board games, board games and social games. So these people actually value knowledge, God, prayer, maybe their ancestors, art and creativity. And this person values fun and games and social time. So you can tell, this is another way you can tell someone's core values by how they uh, use the space in their home. Um, so there's a more rigorous way to determine core values. And this is something you all can, an activity you can do later. But one way to figure out your core values is to look at this list on the right and choose words that speak to you, choose words that resonate with you or mean something to you. And then you group the words together that are similar, and then you choose one word from the list that represents the list. So freedom is highlighted here, and this is the word that for this person most described what all of these mean, abundance, growth, wealth, security. Making a difference is another core value for this person, and so on. So this is an activity I've left with you that you can use to determine some your own core values. Another way to determine your core values is to think about who do you admire and why do you admire them? What are some of your goals and why is that important to you? What are you proud of that you've done and, and why does that make you feel proud? What makes you feel good or bad? Um, I always ask myself, what work am I willing to do for free? Um, and then this one, number seven, is quite interesting. It's called, uh, it says, when do you achieve flow? And so flow is a state where you're really focused and you're not aware of other things going on. And it's when you're doing something that really appeals to your brain and your heart and time passes without you knowing. And then you can always use number eight, which is what do other people say? So these are some of the ways you can determine your core values. So I now have another quiz and I want to know for, I'm gonna show pictures of people that you'll know who they are. And I want you to know what, I want to know what core values you think these people have demonstrated. So I want you to pick three people and give just one word for those people. So these are the people, what values do you think are core to them? And please enter it into the chat. Yeah, I came deciding not to do all the work myself. So you have Malala, Gandhi, Michelle Obama, Queen Elizabeth, Donald Trump, um, Mrs. Uh, Narayana, I can't think of her first name, Michael Jackson, and five Olympic gymnasts. What do you think are their core values? Freedom, yes. Does anyone else want to take a guess? Malala, freedom, yes. Gandhi, nonviolence, yes. Simplicity, yes. Malala, education, very good. So this is what I, the answers I came up with. You could have different answers, but Michael Jackson clearly, cre clearly values creativity and excellence. Queen Elizabeth clearly values tradition and duty. Malala, of course, it's education. I think Michelle Obama has demonstrated a commitment to family. Gandhi is uh, nonviolence and self-discipline. Trump, money and power. That's what he really cares about. Uh, Mrs. Narayana, 
simplicity and humility. And for the gymnast, maybe it's hard work and winning. Maybe teamwork is also important. So I wanted you all to think about it. And so now that we've talked about uh, core values, I want to next talk about how should you incorporate core values when considering a career? And I see someone put in here about Mother Teresa, helping mind. Yes, she was in initially in my pictures, but I took her out. So yes, thank you. So um, how should you incorporate core values? So first I wanted to talk about how do you choose a career and what should you consider? And there are many things that you should consider in choosing a career. First of all, first and foremost, it's the financial obligations that you have, um, financial and other obligations. So we work for pay. And so you have to consider pay. It's not the only thing. It's not the most important thing, but it is a very important thing that you should say, how much money do I need for myself and for those that I need to take care of? And you start there. And then you can ask yourself other questions like, okay, I know how much I need, but how much do I really want? And what am I willing to give up to get that money? Because the more you get paid, the more you have to sacrifice. So there are a lot of questions about financials that you need to ask. Then you should ask yourself something about the likelihood of success. How competitive or difficult is this career? How likely am I to succeed? Who is my network? Because a lot of careers that are very difficult to succeed in require a network to be successful. And if you're taking a risk, how do you recover from uh, that risk if you fail? Now, just because a career is competitive and difficult does not mean that you should not uh, aspire to it, does not mean that you should not pursue it, but you should definitely know how easy or difficult it is to achieve your goals before you set off in that direction. And I'll talk a little bit about that later. Then you should think about your life goals. What are your goals in life? What do you want? Do you know how sure you are of what you want? For example, in college, I think in the U.S., maybe 25% of kids come in pre-med and probably only 5% actually go on to medical school. So the minds change. My, my son went into his college applications thinking that he would major in math, and now he has changed, and he's only a freshman, so it's only been like three months, and he's already changed his mind. So you ask yourself about your goals, and it's important to think about other goals in life not just your career goals, but what are other goals you want to have or other goals you have and will they interfere with your life goals? So then we wanna think about our core values and we'll talk much more about this later, but core values are things like, what do I like? What do I value? What do I hate? Um, we also wanna think about our passions and interests. What's my personality? What am I good at? How do I like to work? you know, what am I willing to give up and how does this career match to my values? And we'll talk more about that in a couple of slides. And then finally, you should think about the quality of work life. You're going to spend about half of your waking hours for about 45 years at work. What do you want that experience to be like? How much stress do you want to endure? Do you want to work alone like this guy or do you want to work as part of a team like these people? Do you want to be at a desk where you can't move? Is creativity important to you? Are you more interested in people or in things? How much, how important is it for you to have control and autonomy? So these are all the kinds of questions you should ask yourself about the quality of work, uh, work life. So you might wonder why does it matter? Why do core values matter? 
And this is an analysis of some of my core values on the left-hand side in the blue box. That's some of my current core values as they relate to work. And then I mapped five different kinds of jobs that I've had over the last 20 plus years and how the core values mapped. So if it's in green, it's something that mapped very well and that value was satisfied at the job. If it's in red, it means that there was conflict and that value wasn't satisfied at the job. So for example, when I was in India, I worked as a director of a training startup and it was just a fantastic job. I mean, it had everything I liked. It had learning, it had teaching. There was something new every day. I got to be creative. I made a difference in other people's lives. I got to see results. I was designing processes. I was supervising. Those are all things that I love that are important to me. I loved that job. However, the pay was very, very low and the team was pretty small and I like to have more colleagues than just five or six. So that's an example of a job that I really liked. So I'm gonna show you, uh, we're gonna do a test on the next page and I'm gonna ask you to think about it. And you can just look at, these are the things that mapped well to my values. These are the things that didn't map well. And the things that are in yellow, it was okay. So if we go to the next slide, I'm going to ask you, how happy do you think I was at each of these jobs based on the mapping to my core value? One is miserable, seven is very happy. So if you look at engineering, how happy do you think I was? If you look at product management, how happy do you think I was? And maybe you can put something in the chat or just think about it. So while we talk, while you think about it and while I wait for something to go into the chat, I also want to say that I mentioned that core values um, change over time. And this is a job where my satisfaction changed over time. And initially this mapping, it, it never changed, but I had um, a newborn when I was in this job and I put her in daycare and she cried for about four hours a day, every day for six months. So this time for family became really, really, really important and it made me unhappy in that job, even though everything else was working well. So I'm gonna show you how happy I was in each of these jobs. So you can see the two that have um, the highest number of green are the jobs where I was happiest. And the ones that are kind of balanced are the jobs where I was satisfied. And this job product management, which I thought I would be really, really happy in, the job content had everything that I wanted I was miserable because I didn't like my coworkers and they didn't like me. My job made no difference whatsoever. I didn't lead people. I didn't have time to give back. And I sat at my desk all day. And so even though the intellectual part of the job was very satisfying, these other things weren't being satisfied. And so I was very unhappy. So core values really do matter. Okay, but careers are not forever. And I just want, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I was just wanted to show you an example of people who have, who have had multiple careers. Some people stay in a career forever. This um, woman, Emmanuel, is a Nobel laureate in chemistry. She just won the Nobel Prize. And she has been a chemistry researcher and professor for her entire career. But there are other people, like this is President Jimmy Carter. He was president of the U.S. in the 70s. He's had five different careers. He's in his 90s now. 
And so you don't have to just choose one career. Sometimes you can have more than one. This is my husband. He started out as, as an engineer. And then he really, even though he went to IIT, he really is not an engineer at heart. So he moved into sales and marketing, and then he moved into consulting. So this is relevant because I want you to think about what are the drivers of career change? And this relates to core values as well. And I won't do the quiz, but I'll just do, here are some of the drivers of career change. A new idea for business, marriage or relocation, becoming a parent, wanting more money, failing, being stressed or burned out, realizing that you're in the wrong career, your skills becoming outdated, seeking personal growth, getting fired. Uh, there are many reasons for uh, drivers of career change. And sometimes, you know, you have a change in your personal mission, or you realize you're wrong in the wrong career, or you want growth, or even stress can be changed, can be caused by a mismatch between your core values and the job that you're in. So we'll go to the next slide. So I'm going to use um, some examples. These are friends and family of mine, and these are all people who had a career change. So I want you to, I wanted to demonstrate to you how people change careers for their core values. For example, my cousin Andrea, she was in marketing and communications. And at age like 45, she quit her job, went back to school, got her, um, teaching certificate and became a teacher. So what do you think was driving that? Or my friend Chris, he was very happy as a carpenter and doing construction work. And in his 40s, he quit and took a job in manufacturing, which offered much less autonomy, much less satisfaction. What do you think drove that? So I'll give you the answers. So for Andrea, she just had a passion about education and loved children. So that's why she changed. Chris needed financial security. He needed to provide healthcare benefits and he really, really valued his role as a provider for his family. So that's what drove his change. My friend Greg, he was an accountant and he changed to public relations, but he really wanted to help others and he was really focused on relationships. So he changed to public relations. So these are some examples of people who changed their career, mid-career, because their core values were not being satisfied. Okay, I'll go on to the next slide. So passions are different than core values. Um, passions are things that you really like to do, but how do you integrate them into your career choices? So first I wanted to show some examples of some people who really creatively integrated their passions into their career choice. Um, these are two relatives. This is uh, my husband's relative and my relative, and they both love sports. I mean, all their lives they have loved sports, but neither could become a professional athlete. So they integrated sports into their careers in different ways. Saurabh studied law and then did a specialty in sports law, and now he works with um, developing contracts for sports leagues and um, for agents or, or for athletes. My cousin Tasha, she went to get a degree in marketing and then did her MBA and she focused on sports and entertainment marketing and she now works for Major League Baseball and she used to work for the National Basketball Association. This is a friend of mine, Elliot. He loved art and he studied art history in college and all of us looked at him like, how are you ever going to get a job studying art history? 
And what he did was he ended up working for hotels and hospitality. And now he works as the vice president of operations for a major museum. These are examples of people taking a passion and making it into a career. I also want to talk about these three people because they went into really, really competitive fields and they had to play, pay their dues. Barbara, I went to high school with, and she wanted to do fashion design. So she got into a top school and then she moved to Hollywood and she had to pay her dues doing boring work for a long time, but now she does costume design for a major TV and movie studio. Connie, I went to graduate school with, she really loved animated films. And so she left her career, studied her MBA, moved to Hollywood, worked in a lot of um, not ideal jobs, but in the industry. And finally, now she's working as a film director, a writer, and a producer for animated films. But Connie also keeps a regular job to pay the bills in between her movie work. And my cousin Marcus, he actually dropped out of high school, uh, college, much to my disappointment, to study, um, to go pursue a career as a songwriter. And so he kept a regular job to support himself until he could make a living as a songwriter. And he eventually moved to New York and got hired. Uh, he got a job first with Sony, and now he's working with another company, learning his craft and writing songs. And some of his songs have finally made it into, um, onto the radio. So these are people who integrated their passions into a career choice. It's a little bit different than their core values, but it can be done. You just have to be smart about it. But I will give a warning about well-intentioned advice to channel your passions into a career. People will tell you, do what you love, and that can be bad advice. The good advice is love what you do. And so it's really important to know your core value. And here I'm going to use my two children to demonstrate this. Simon is a very talented artist and he loves painting. But when we talked about him considering that as a career, he said, I want to be able to control what I paint. I paint for me, I paint for pleasure. I don't want somebody else telling me, paint this, draw that, do this. And so that would be a bad career for him. Janaki loves theater and she's very talented but she really wants to be able to spend a lot of time with her family. And the kind of theater that she wants to do would mean that she would have to work every weekend and probably five evenings a week, which means she wouldn't be able to spend time with her family. And so that is not a good career for her. So it's okay to pursue your passion, but make sure that pursuing your passion doesn't conflict with your core values. Okay, so now I'm gonna give you a test, although I think we, I may not wait for the answers, but um, I wanted to see if you understand this, uh, this concept of core values. So my friend, William, his core values are listed in the, in the blue and his skills, passions, and preferences are listed in the black. William is passionate about music. Um, his core values mean that he likes to be in charge he um, is very serious about his faith. He uh, is um, very good at cultivating talent. So what do you think he chose as a career? Anyone wanna take a guess? Musician, yes. And so what he chose was to be a music teacher because that provides him with a stable job, good income, good health benefits. And he's also a church music director. And then he volunteers to direct and conduct a community choir. 
So he's able to um, he's able to exercise his core values and his passions in his work and his hobbies. So Alicia, she is loves to laugh. She loves children. She is so positive. She's always happy, but she's independent and she likes to do what she likes to do. She's very good in a crisis. She doesn't want to be behind a, de uh, a desk and she loves babies. So what do you think she did? Alicia chose a very difficult career. She's a home care nurse for terminally ill, very sick or ventilated children. If you can see, all three of these children have ventilators. And this is a very difficult job. Sometimes these children die, but she brings such joy into their lives and such relief to their parents. And because, excuse me, she's there, the parents can have some time to rest and relax and manage the rest of their life. This is how you integrate passions and core values into your careers. Carolyn loves teaching. She has an educate, uh, education and counseling. And so she chose to work in human resources. Then you have Damien. Damien is someone who loves order, rules, expertise, excellence, autonomy, security, hot, hot, hierarchy and power. So he chose after a career in the Air Force to do construction inspection where he is the expert, he has the power, there are clear rules that everyone needs to follow and his expertise is valued. So these are some examples of how people integrate their career, their um, values into their careers. Um, this one I won't spend much time on, but Phyllis chose an interesting career. She became a nun because her core value and her passion for God was stronger than anything else. And so she dedicated her life to that. So I wanted to talk about one more thing. And Merlin is a great example of this, that sometimes people satisfy a passion or core value through service. I won't read through this because we're running short on time, but these are people who the yellow highlights their volunteer activities. This is what they did outside of their jobs to satisfy their core values. The blue is what their real job, their day job was. This is people who satisfied their core value in a second job or a hobby. Mr. Wells was a tax analyst, but he's a painter, and now he does that in retirement. Leonard was, was in the Air Force, and he was an electrician, but he's a drummer in a jazz band. Raymond was a bus driver, but he's a bass guitarist and a sound engineer for his church. Jolika is a teacher, but she loves throwing children's parties. And my mom, Lois, she was a secretary, but she wrote a book of poems. I'll skip this slide so we can get to the questions. And so this is just a review of, you know, we talked about what core values are. We talked about how to choose a career. We talked about how to incorporate your passions into your job. And I hope you'll remember this. I just want you to remember a couple of things. Having a choice about what job you do is a privilege. It's not something that people have always had, and it's not something that everyone has. It's called work and not play for a reason. So it's not supposed to be all fun and laughs and games. It's really work. And then you're gonna spend 45 years, about 50% of your waking life will be at work. You might as well enjoy it. So you should choose well. So now I'll stop for questions. Uh, Maria, we have two questions from the participants. Yeah. Uh, the first question is, uh, how can a parent uh, support or encourage a decision in our, uh, how can a parent help 
a child identify the career that they want to uh, choose? Hmm. There, uh, it depends on the age of the child, but um, I think there are a few things. Um, one is paying attention to what your child really likes, what gives them joy, and um, helping the child recognize that and helping them get more experiences in those things that they really like. Also pay attention to what your child doesn't like. Um, I think parents naturally pay attention to what their children excel at or don't excel at, but that's sometimes different from what they really like. The second thing you can do is introduce your child to people who are in those careers and encourage your child to ask that person questions about what they like about their career. What do they enjoy? I'm a person who asks a lot of what and why questions, and so I learn what people like or don't like. Um, the third thing is encourage your child to think about themselves and understand themselves. What do they really like? So for example, for my children, um, if uh, Merlin can probably relate to this because she knew my children when they were young. If I take my oldest, Simon wanted to be a marine biologist, then he wanted to be a paleontologist, then he wanted to be an artist, then he wanted to be a writer, then he wanted to be um, some kind of a scientist, a biologist. Um, then he finally decided he wanted to be a mathematician. And now he's saying that he wants to probably do something either in artificial intelligence or in neuroscience. And so in each stage, I try to expose those activities and encourage them and have conversations with him about what those careers would be like for him, what the, the good and the bad is. Um, if I use my daughter as an example, Janaki um, right now is saying that she wants to be a lawyer. And um, she wants to be a lawyer because she's really committed to social justice and she wants to help um, people achieve justice. And so I'm talking with her about, okay, that's good. Do you understand what a lawyer really does? Do you understand that you know maybe 90% of your day is at a desk, not in the courtroom? Do you understand what it takes to get through law school? And she is, still, she is saying, yes, I understand. I still want to do this because my core value of justice is so strong that it, um, that it uh, compensates for the things that I may not like about being at a desk all day. So you just have to expose, engage, and encourage. If I had three things, it would be expose, engage, and encourage your children. Does that answer your question? Oh, yes, yes, very much. Okay. Uh, the next question is, uh, how does one develop the courage to change their career? Like if they've built a career for, uh, I don't know, let's say 10, 15 years, uh, if they want to change the career, how do they develop the courage? Or the, what does it take to change the career like that? That's a great question. Um, if I'm being honest, I think a lot of people, uh, I just kind of want to go back to the career change. Okay. If I'm being honest, a lot of these people change careers because they were miserable. And misery can be a powerful motivator, but that's not the best way to change a career, right? You want um, to move towards something, not run away from something. So I think a lot of it is thinking about who you are, reflecting on what you enjoy, 
and then doing your homework and understanding what it takes. Um, in this case, like if I look at Andrea, Andrea was able to um, change careers because she had um, a husband who was able to support the family while she went to school. And so she was able to um, say, I'm, I'm not unhappy doing what I want to do, but, or I'm not unhappy doing what I'm doing, but I really want to do something else. And so she had the stability in home life to be able to go do that. Chris had an illness in his family where he needed healthcare. And so that's what motivated him. Greg, he had, again, enough stability in his um, career and he had enough savings and he had a supportive spouse and he had friends that he could talk to and, and Greg did some things that were really smart. He did a lot of volunteering to try out and test what he wanted to do. So he did some things where he was working as um, in communications and he found out he really liked it. And he's a part-time professor. He teaches part-time at a university and he found that he really, really liked that. So that practice gave him the assurance that he could um, change careers. So. If I go back to these people who had multiple careers, many of these careers are related to one another. So for example, um, Oprah Winfrey, she was a radio personality. And then it sort of naturally an opportunity came up that gave her uh, opportunity to be on TV. And then once she was on TV, another opportunity naturally came up to be an actress. And because she was an actress, she had the opportunity to get into other forms of media like magazine publishing. Same thing with Barack Obama. He was an attorney. He had he volunteered as a um, community activist or community organizer. And then he became a full-time community organizer, but he was a professor, I think part-time at that time. And being a community organizer allowed him to test out being a politician and he was a politician on a small scale. And then being a politician gave him enough exposure to make him effective as an author. So, you know, sometimes career changes are just small changes, like going from being an engineer to being a marketing person. You can do that all within one company. And sometimes they're big changes, like the people on the other page, where you really just have to quit and start in a whole new direction. So I guess self-reflection, research, and having a supportive community are the best ways to... What other questions? Yes, uh, the next question is a little bit lengthy, so please don't mind, I'm just reading the question. Uh, the question is, is it possible that even a job that you really love becomes monotonous after a while? Does this happen to any job that someone takes? Yes. Um, uh, let me think about the answer. Yes, it's possible. I've not been in um, jobs for very long, but uh, uh, something like this. Greg, being an accountant, you know, an accountant does the same tasks every month. For the most part, you have to close the books every month. For the most part, you have to run these reports every month. And it, for the most part, the job does not change. And some people would find that very, very um, monotonous, even though in the beginning they um, enjoyed it, they want more. So sometimes when that happens, people look for special projects or they look for a promotion 
or they look for a move to a different kind of accounting or something like that. Um, Chris's job in manufacturing, he works in a factory with the same roughly 100 people and the same equipment for 20 years. And you have sort of the same kind of problems over and over. So he finds um, work to be interesting by always trying to improve the systems, by trying to make things better, and by trying to find new ways to prevent the same problems from happening. But yes, it's definitely possible that a job can be monotonous, even if you enjoyed it in the beginning. And if you don't have the opportunity to change jobs, then you can look for special projects. You try to make um, the most of your colleagues and you have to maximize the joy you get outside of work. Uh, the next question is, is it okay to choose a career and then love it? Isn't that like going in a flow? Is it okay to proceed without a goal or a dream? Is it okay? Yes. Um, would I recommend it? Uh, I mean, you always have, you can always take a chance. Um, there are certain careers that are um, designed for exploration. For example, when um, I finished business school, many, many people went into consulting because in consulting, you get to explore lots of different industries, lots of different functions, lots of different problems, and then you can figure out where you really want to work. Um, when I graduated from undergraduate school, I went into a development program that required me to do three different jobs over five years so I could understand better the company and also understand better um, myself. Um, the only thing I would say is that when you are graduating from school, from college, you it is the one time in your career where you really will have a lot of choices about jobs at the same time. When you graduate from college, you can interview for 10 jobs and get five different offers and just pick and choose between them. For the rest of your life, generally, you only have one offer at a time. And so, yes, it's fine to just explore and go with, go with the flow, but I would say that is not the best way to find what you really love. Um, it's good to love what you do, it's good to take an attitude toward work of, I'm going to find what I can like and love in this job. It's good to take the attitude of, I'm going to be good at whatever I do and give my full self to whatever I do. But if you just leave it to chance, then there's always a chance that you won't love what you do. So I'm giving a mixed message and saying, yes, it's okay if you don't know your goals, but you should at least know what you like and what you don't like, and at least try to get some of that in your job. Does that answer the question? Yes, yes, it does. Uh, one more question is, uh, these days we find children choosing a career based on the pay. Uh, so uh, how do we uh, help them think outside that box? So I think um, if I go back to this slide, um, oops. Okay, this one. Pay is important, but only at a threshold level. There's a certain amount of pay that people need to um, attain the lifestyle they want to be comfortable and to be able to care for their families. And so you, I, I wouldn't recommend that anyone ignore pay when considering a career. 
but money really does not buy happiness. It buys comfort, it buys convenience, it buys access, but it doesn't buy happiness. And so money is a motivator at the very beginning, but after the, I don't know, fifth or sixth paycheck, it becomes an expectation and it doesn't bring joy. So, um, you know, I'll give an example. My oldest, youngest uh, child wanted to be a teacher when she was younger. And teaching is a very noble profession, but in the US, um, and I know in India, teachers are not paid very well. And my daughter got an excellent education because we paid more than some teachers make for her education each year. And I just talked to her and said, look, if you want to be able to do for your children what I have done for you, then teaching alone is not a viable career. If you're going to be a teacher, you need to look at, you know, how can you then become a department head? How can you become a principal? How can you perhaps open your own school? What else can you do to support, to make more money? Because you will not be able to live the way you have lived thus far in life. And she was okay with that. I also pointed out to her that most of the teachers we knew were very, very happy people. They had very good lives. They um, loved what they did. And they all had the choice to leave the profession. And they didn't because they were so satisfied from the work they did. So you have to balance. They had enough to be able to do the things that were important to them. It's interesting at this very expensive school that my children went to, more than half of the teachers couldn't afford to send their own kids there, but they were still happy with the education that their kids were able to get elsewhere. So you can say, I want to be in this field because this field pays well, but you know, a great example in the US is medicine. Medicine pays very well, but by the time you're finished with 15 years of schooling, residency, fellowship, and all of that, you are at that point maybe $400,000 in debt. It's too late to decide to do something else. You're kind of stuck in that profession, whether you like it or not. And so you just want to be careful. Money doesn't buy happiness. And if you want an example, I will go to, where was that page with Michael Jackson? Uh, I don't know what, I mean, Michael Jackson is dead because he was addicted to drugs. Um, yes, they were, you know, medical drugs, but he was not a happy person. And he was one of the richest men in the world. Compare that to someone like mm, maybe Malala. I don't, I think she's a very, a person who's very much at peace with herself and very satisfied with her life. She's not particularly wealthy. So, or compare that to this guy, he's got a lot of money and power. He's miserable. He's mean, he's unhappy, he's an unpleasant fellow. So money hasn't bought him happiness. So you have to balance. Very interesting, Maria. Sorry to get into the politics. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, I guess. Uh, there aren't any more questions. I think we're done then. Uh, I want to start off by thanking uh, Maria for taking the time and making such a detailed presentation. I'm sure all of us are the ones present here today and then uh, so many thousands of people who are going to see it hereafter. 
I'm sure it's going to make an impact. It's going to, uh, you know, light someone's path. I'm very confident of that. I thoroughly enjoyed the presentation personally. And uh, thank you so much for doing this, uh, Ms. Maria. Uh, and I want to thank all the participants and the organizers uh, for making this event possible. Uh, thank you all so much. Uh, we will see you in our next event very shortly. Uh, you can follow our uh, uh, social media handles. It's uh, JC Life Skill Academy uh, to, uh, to get in touch with us and then to know our uh, upcoming events and uh, all our interactive talk sessions. Thank you all so much for coming out today. Have a great evening. Have a great week ahead. Uh, have a good day, Maria. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.